Hello and welcome to The Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Dr. Robin Hart is a psychotherapist who specializes in identifying new treatments for anxiety disorders and depression. Robin joins us today to talk to us about how we can manage our anxiety getting back into the workplace. So Robin, it is a pleasure to have you. How are you this morning? First question for anyone on this topic. Uh, I'm good, thanks. And I'm working remotely from home. This is a conversation on how to manage anxiety, getting back into the workplace, which obviously is an imminent thing. But let's start off by defining the different kind of anxieties that also people might have been feeling over the last year in lockdown. What have you seen in your clinic and and can you help us sort of define what people might be relating to? Well, I think first of all, I think we have to be careful that we don't give everyone a label. Some people have actually coped with it very well. And some people have really embraced it. I think that depends on personality. I think it depends on the sort of job you do. I think it depends on how and where you live. I mean, one of the things that I've been really struck by is the number of young people who obviously chose their flat or their flat share or their house share on the basis that they were out for 40 plus hours a week. And of course, to suddenly be in a tiny flat facing north or in a flat share where everybody's desperate for some space to live and some space to work, I think has been a real stressor. I think you're completely right. What have you seen then? What what kind of attitudes have you seen change over the last year with regards specifically to anxiety that you can enlighten some of our listeners with? I think the most significant areas of anxiety are the change in structure. Sometimes that's loss of structure. Anxiety about what comes after this and whether normal will ever come back. In many, many cases, whether people will have jobs to go back to. And I think isolation, the lack of external stimulation, I think social isolation, not necessarily outside of work, but just not working with your colleagues many of whom you'll be quite friendly with, and you have a sort of routine, and we all see ourselves and our value reflected in the face of somebody else. And to take that away and and give you that occasionally on Zoom meetings, I think has been really problematic for a lot of people. In your work with people at the moment, how often is this idea of, of coming out of the pandemic and back into a functioning normal society, or whether you want to call it a new normal society, how much is that coming up at the moment? Is this a common theme? It's a very common theme. There are two parts to it. And one is, of course, that isolation does actually suit some people. That may be a problem, but there are some people I've worked with and the difficulty would have been pre-pandemic, would have been getting them out and about and trying to structure a broad enough life. And of course, they're really panicking because they've had the best part of a year actually working on their own from home, which in some ways has suited them, but hasn't in any way helped perhaps an underlying problem of social anxiety, the desire to withdraw. So those people have got a lot of 
anxiety in front of them. I think there's an anxiety about can we get back to the life we used to have? Stroke, is there going to be a new normal? What is the new normal going to be? And human beings tend to like certainty and they tend to like to feel safe. So when people bring this stuff up to you, what have you been saying? What kind of uh, advice and tools and tactics and tips that you offer in these scenarios? Well, of course, hope is one of the best antidepressants there is, but it doesn't come in a bottle. So you have to sort of dig uh, with the individual to see if you can connect with something that's going to promote hope. I suppose what I do, I don't give advice, but I certainly go in and we explore together what the future might look like the various possibilities, and then we look at how that person would cope and hopefully cope well with each of those possibilities. Obviously, there's a spectrum of possibilities that they're going to really dislike through to possibilities that would suit them very well. But we kind of explore their possibility of being able to cope with it well and what's beyond that, and that's where hope comes in, and a sense of themselves being able to manage it. We've got pathways of society that are going to be coming back into the workplace, um, being indoors with each other for the first time, and that's going to be quite stressful. It'd be great if you can give some general top tips and pieces of advice about how to manage the anxiety of moving really from lockdown into a full functioning new normal um, with all the different steps that might come with that as well. Okay, I guess it touches on, first of all, health anxiety. It's terribly important that we come up to speed on knowing how to manage risk. I mean, we've had risk thrown at us now for a year. Last summer, it appeared to reduce, and then then we got another wave that was... So it's about people really being aware. And as we are unlocked, it's about people taking personal responsibility for themselves and also for other people. So it's about awareness of what the risks are and managing those risks. That will, of course, provoke all sorts of anxieties uh, for some people. So I would say that also touches on anxiety management, stress and anxiety management. That's about mindfulness, that's about rebreathing, that's about learning to do progressive muscle relaxation. That's about really, really looking after yourself. I guess with the people who are going back into a new model of working, where they'll be working in the office for some of the time, but they'll also be working at home, I think it's very important that you take care of yourself as far as structuring your work hours. So, for instance, I I had a really good example of somebody recently who was finding it very difficult to work at home most of the time. He was allowed to go into the office occasionally because it was deemed COVID safe. But he um, found that he was working way longer than he ideally should have been and historically did because he was working in his commute. So he came up with a brilliant idea and he said, well, I'm going to get up, I'm going to cycle around Wimbledon Common several times, I'm going to get myself a cup of takeaway coffee, I'm going to read the headlines, I'm going to go back to the house, I'm going to take a shower, I'm going to put my suit on and then I'm going to start working. And we sort of smiled at that. But what was really important about it was he was giving himself that structure of the day. He was giving himself the different visual field that he's used to. Because he cycles to work, he was giving himself the exercise that he's used to getting. And he was making sure that his work boundaries didn't leak into home. 
For you personally, you're used to being in an environment of dealing with patients one-to-one. And I'm wondering what you think, this is for anyone that's tempted to obviously try therapy. You know, there's a lot more engagement at work. One example, just at Heights is, you know, we have full health insurance coverage, including full mental health cover. I started taking therapy and started talking about taking therapy and using our insurance to take therapy. And did you know it's free and we pay for it and all this stuff. And now half the company is having therapy regularly. This is one of the reasons why we've recently launched companion apps the, um, to deal with managing stress and anxiety and other workplace problems. It's specifically aimed at small and medium-sized enterprises to be a mental well-being companion. For somebody to have the app in their pocket, it's got a range of interventions where you can learn to do mindfulness, you can learn to do uh, uh, progressive muscle relaxation, you can learn to do rebreathing. It's also got a lot of information um, that will help and support people through the sorts of difficulties that they may meet at work. The knowledge has been available for a long time. It's just encouraging people to actually participate in using it. Is that something that the companies pay for or how does that, how's the setup? We've done it on a, on a very cost-effective basis. I mean, it's not expensive for them to roll out to their workforce, but it means that everybody has a mental health companion in their back pocket. It obviously can't cover absolutely everything. It's not a clinical response to individual significant difficulties. But where I think it's clever, it's a sort of preclinical or subclinical intervention. So it's the stuff that we all feel from time to time. And of course, we know that with managing stress and anxiety and coping with difficulties at work, one of the most important things is one, to normalise it, and two, to have some management over it by using various interventions that help one cope with those difficulties and support one coping with those difficulties much better. Yeah, because I think this is something that you touched on before, which is, you know, some of the conversation around how to manage anxiety going back into the workforce um, isn't all about, you know, a clinical condition anxiety, right? It's sub or pre-clinical. So this is like micro stresses, you know, micro anxieties that are just normal part of the human condition and watching for those and doing our very best to make sure that they don't become something bigger. So sort of catching out the source as much as we can with some awareness. Is that right? Yes, it's absolutely right. And I'm not in any way trying to put a silver lining on this very, very difficult pandemic that we've had. But, you know, we need to learn some things from this. And one of the most important things we can learn is that mental well-being needs to be at the forefront of how we progress. And we need to destigmatize the fact that people under certain circumstances function less well and should be able to access support to help them function really much better. Prior to the pandemic, do you think one of the main problems that you saw was a lack of awareness, a lack of empathy towards the diverse emotional feelings that we might get until it's too late? Therefore, sort of like you say, the lack of normalising this behaviour. Yes, well, it's really interesting because um, the thing that's always struck me is people come in, you know, it takes a lot of courage sometimes to be referred by your GP and then to make an appointment, go in and see the psychologist and you have to turn up at the office and wait in the waiting room and then come in and see a stranger and start disclosing your stuff. So it takes quite a lot of courage and people are quite often quite anxious about that. And what's always struck me is that they come in 
and they, you know, you do the assessment and you do the patient log and then you start talking about why they're there. And when they realise, when they look into your face and they realise this isn't the first time you've heard something like this or very similar, and then perhaps, you know, with stuff that's available digitally or printed material, you can show them that it's actually a known phenomenon, it immediately destigmatizes it and then they're able to engage and really collaborate in moving things forward. So what are your top three tips for people to take away about managing their anxiety moving back into the workplace or rather than specifically back into the workplace and moving out of one state of being like lockdown into the new normal? Tip one, it's okay to take it gently. We'll be under a lot of pressure probably from friends and families and internally to get back out there. And I think that'll be a bit scary. I mean, for instance, there are a number of very close friends who I've maintained contact with, but it'll be very, you know, I haven't seen them in a year. It'll be very odd sort of going out and seeing all those people. So take it very, very gently. What we talked about earlier on is make yourself aware of managing risk, health risk, so that you feel safer, so that you're not in an external environment feeling frightened all the time. Really engage with the information that's out there. And anxiety management, really look at the possibility of using mindfulness, relaxation, progressive muscle relaxation. If you haven't been doing it through lockdown, re-engage with exercise. Really get yourself up to speed on those things. And... Don't be too expectational. What will be will be, and if you take it gently, we will glide back into something that will be very similar to the life we had before, but will probably be different, and there may be some ups, there may be some upsides to it. What we should also say is that, you know, there will be 125,000 families and people associated to those families who will be going forward, and the pandemic will have been a very, very different experience for them. Amazing. Thank you so much, Robin. It's been a pleasure chatting to you on the Brain Care Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week. Music